Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, before we get started, as per usual, we want to invite you, beg you, uh, as Ernest Washington is doing right now, he is an A-plus student. He uh, <laughs> started before I even gave the invitation. Thank you, Ernest, for being an amazing demonstration of what we're looking for. We are looking for participation and uh, to hear from you guys. So please join in the convo. Um, uh, drop anything that you, any of your thoughts, questions, anything in the chat on whichever social media you are on, and we will be monitoring it um, and would love to hear from you. So hi, Ernest Washington. Good to see you. Um, all right, that's it. Somebody else talk about what we are talking about. We are talking about if you can really know yourself, can you truly, truly know who you are and what you want and what makes you happy? And yeah, I come, I came at this, I don't know if you guys did, but I came to this subject thinking about how coaches just take for granted that the client knows what they want. Um, the research suggests otherwise though, that people don't truly know themselves and they may not even know what they want or when they dig down they may say one thing but do a different thing um so we try to look at it as coaches and try to rationalize and figure out what the heck's going on how can you know yourself very cool i'm gonna share some resources too in the chat right off uh, for you guys to, if you want to peruse these, these are the kind of places we do research. And I thought it might be nice for us to share these things with you guys. So we're going to do that. Um, so can you ever know yourself? Uh, Anthony asked a question. I did not give an answer. Um, what are your thoughts? But do you have an answer since you're already, I'm already I, I have my answer, but I want to know your guys's answer first. I have moments where I absolutely feel like I know myself and I feel very uh, headstrong and, and certain of that. Then I have other moments where it's not that I don't know myself, it's that I feel like I have no clue what's going on inside of me. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I like it's something I gotta sort through later. And then I have moments where I just don't want to think and I don't wanna have to know anything and I just want it to somebody else to think for me. <laughs> so I can spend the gamut <laughs> um, because there are definitely uh, moments where I don't, I'm just like, oh God, I don't want to deal with that. Can somebody else think about that for me? And that's when I'd be like, what do you want to eat? <laughs> Not because I don't know myself, just because I don't want to think about it. <laughs> well, let me ask an even more fundamental question then then how do you know who you are? Uh, let me just ask, who are you? That's a good question. Let's just start with that. Who are you, Brooke? Me, um, I'm Brooke Adair Walters. Um, I, I guess I would say the things, the parts of myself that I identify with most, um, I'm a human being. Um, <laughs> I, I am a hard worker. I am creative. Um, and I am um, a person who likes people. And um, I uh, also 
like a challenge and like to be, you know, I like to live life. See, all in all, I'm a pretty positive human. Um, okay. But mostly I can be all things too, though. I can be span the gamut. So I'm just Brooke. I'm Brooke. Yo soy Brooke. Lisa, who are you? <laughs> I, I, you know, hate to say a lot of the same things as Brooke, but I would say that I'm not as creative as she is. I do have creative moments. I enjoy people. I love my family and my friends. I enjoy exploring um, what makes people tick. I enjoy, um, what do I enjoy about myself? But yeah. Yeah, I'm generally a positive person. Um, I can ruminate. I'm working on ruminating less. <laughs> um, what were you going to say, Brooke? I was going to ask, does the things we enjoy define ourselves? Is it ego we're defining or is it ourself we're defining? That's I'm just asking the same question. Term. I want to, before we move on to that question, Brooke, I want to okay. go to Jerome now. Who are you, Jerome? Well, I want to preface that by saying I don't think I know who I am um, because I try and grow uh, as often as I can and different things are happening all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so to really just keep my finger exactly on an answer as to say who I am, I'm not sure, but I do know like some of my big, value my core value like I live for my friends and my family um, I try to be kind to everyone I meet regardless of what walk of life you come from um, I'm a huge believer in karma that ties into that uh, those are like some of the, the three things that really kind of define me but um, there's a lot of minor things that kind of shift and change every day so I don't know that I can say I, I know who I, I really like I think that's the question we're asking who we really are so Something so I know with all three of you guys, though, when I asked that question, Brooke and Lisa, you gave qualities about yourself. Uh, Drone, you gave more so about how you grow, focus on growth and values. None of you said something, anything about maybe your function or purpose. Like you never, Brooke, you said you're a human. That's obvious. But no one said, well, I'm a woman. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a... CEO, I'm an owner, I'm a athlete, a gamer. That's because that's what I do. That's not who I am. I don't well, know. Well, some people know. some people do define I mean, I'm just noticing that it's interesting that people who I've met with in real life, they do define themselves by what they do. You guys didn't do that. You guys went off on what you like to do. Um well, what your actions are, what qualities you have. <laughs> fair though i did not say what i do because the thing the things i listed about myself are part of my what i do like i you know i'm creative well i try to because of that i try to make sure that that what i the things i'm doing have creativity to them um and then i'm uh hard working and so that translates to no matter what i'm doing you know what i mean so i mean i guess so we're talking about the core competency competencies for ourselves, right? The basicness of who we are can transcend whatever we're doing and wherever we are. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that I use what, what I do is 
tied to what who I am. Yeah. They're they're inner they're in they're you know they're intrinsically linked. Not maybe not the case for everybody, but I think to some degree, yeah, it, it is because we I think our actions do define who we are to some degree because we're gonna do things for certain reasons. So it's just a different lens. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It, I just find that whenever I meet someone new and they we're getting to know like hey, who you are, it's usually oh so what do you do? I avoid that though. Like, like I don't that's know. like the first question that a lot of people will ask when someone else is trying to figure out who you are. Well, what is it you do? I have and no then, idea. And I like avoid that question too. Like there's been plenty of times I've avoided that question um, because I've had mixed reactions too. Because if I really share about like what I've done in my life experience, sometimes people um, just, they don't, they get intimidated to some degree or they can't relate or we go down where I don't want to be defined by that, <laughs> I guess, you know? Um, so I've had just a, a gamut of reactions to it. So it's not something that I typically even bring up right away with people. I don't know, but that's just me. <laughs> but do you guys think that is a common thing that people do when they get to know each other that oh, yeah, sure. think yeah. other people want to know you is, okay, so what do you do? Like, maybe they're not too interested in about your qualities if you are artistic or you know, it's just unfair to me because it's like putting me in a well, I do a lot of things. Like I don't just so, do one thing. As as a coach, I have used that and with some of my clients to find out who they are and what they do and what you know, what they do in a day in a life. And and part of that allows me to use um metaphors and um so that I can share with them that co-creating space I think their language versus how I would necessarily share I think this is a language barrier thing like I think that that if you ask me what I did for a living um it'd be different right like then if you ask me what I do <laughs> um asking uh, what you do well I do a lot of things <laughs> But it's not necessarily what is making my job my job. And I think what, what's the most surprising thing about yourself that you went through, discovered, you know, something happened and you go, God, I never thought I would do that. God, I don't know. There's too many. I have PTSD. Do you know how many moments I have like that? <laughs> <laughs> the list is long. <laughs> um, surprising good or surprise? I don't have that. I don't know. No, just any. There's another observation is that I think maybe it's because we share some very common assumptions about ourselves, but that's, that's, yeah. a lot of times people also identify themselves by the groups they're with. I'm a American. I'm an English speaker. I am a Californian. Uh, I'm a life coach. That puts me, that puts me in certain categories of people. I definitely... I share this i share some similar qualities with these other people who are in this group i'm a man that's another one and people take gender identity very seriously as well um but brooke was the only one who mentioned maybe one group identifier 
Which is what? What did I say? You said you just said you're human. Oh, human, yeah. Although um, that's pretty much always taken for granted. Not a Martian. I think there's something we're leaving out in this, right? There were there's a lot of context that we're not uh, isn't applied. And I think that that's something that's critical. Like, I think that one of the things that drives me nuts about personality tests and things like, um, you know, this is how you're always going to be is one of the things they often leave out is a matter of context. Because even in one of the talks, the, the TED talk, um, the who are you really the puzzled personality, he, he talks about if who we are is not made up by our traits are the things that we the, the, the things we tend to fall into but really who you are comes forward in your idiosyncrasies and like the the little thing, your idiosyncratic self is what he said. And I, I quite enjoyed that. But he also pointed out that he he was a self-professed introvert, but he as a, is also a professor. And as a professor, he knows he has to be extroverted and have extroverted moments. And, and in order to be successful in what he does, he steps out of his typical this is what I identify as and assumes a different role and personality for the sake of knowing he wants to do a good job at, at being a professor. So I think that that was a very powerful um, example because what it did is address the fact that we are not always one thing in every situation. We, we are very malleable human beings that will wear a different outfit, change a different, our suit, you know, apply a different sort of um, methodology with regard to how we um, act and behave if a situation calls for it. Um, and, and if we, we know in our experience that we will have more success by acting or behaving a specific way. Of course, then there's those who haven't figured that out and can be very self-destructive. And then we go, what are you doing? Why would you behave that way? <laughs> um, but it's, it's, I mean, truthfully, it, it may be that they're just behaving out of character or, or and, and that's where these things come up is, is yes, being adaptable is, is a very important thing. And I think that's where personality traits and quizzes and putting ourselves in those boxes falls short to some degree. Because I think as much as, we all think we're different. We are all capable of all things, which makes us all very similar. So, um, thoughts? I, I didn't. I just soapboxed, but <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree that the adaptability, even in coaching, if we apply that to coaching, that which you were speaking of, we do have to be adaptable for the different clients that we work with that adaptability makes them feel relatable and find comfort with the ability to dig deeper and share. If we didn't have that, I mean, I think I mentioned this last week or the week before, or whatever, you know, whoever I'm speaking with in the moment, sometimes I can pick up that way that they speak and the accent they speak, and I don't do it on purpose. It is just that I've adapted to that person. And as I'm hearing them, reflecting in the way that they're sharing. So when you're talking about it, you didn't say adaptability, I said adaptability, but that's how it relates to me of being able to be that chameleon in that moment. I, I've done things, reason earlier I asked you, what outstanding things have you done that caught your attention? I didn't say it like that, but you know, I've done things and I go, where did that come from? 
you know, and so us being able to recognize who we are and what our wants are and can change, just like you said, depending on who we're with and what we're doing. What I want from you, Brooke, is totally different than what I want from Anthony. <laughs> have, have, okay, so in the, you, you had asked that question, is there anything you've ever done that really surprised you? I, I'm going to ask it a sort of different way. Has there ever been a time that somebody reflected back to you who you were and it mm -hmm. surprised you? And you were like, yeah, wait, I'm, I come off that way or I, I'm that way. Wait, really? And you were like, no, I mean, you just, I mean like, but it didn't ring true or maybe it made you look at yourself through a different lens. Yeah, absolutely. Share that, share, tell us more. Well, there's been different times I've had different people share with me their, their view of me. And I'm like, oh, you got that. Okay. Let me, you know, reflect what you're saying, you know, think about, I'm a big thinker that, you know, rumination, how does that come off? Most of the time it's a positive statement that they're sharing with me, but at times it has been negative and it's like, oh my gosh, well, that's definitely not, if it was a negative, what my intention was, but I have to look at that and see, you know, what was going on in that moment. And then sometimes it's just flat out wrong. I've had someone say, well, this is what you're feeling. I'm like, no, not at all. I don't even know what you, this is, and you and I have talked about moments like that broke where I've shared that this is not even not with you about you know some other incidences that have occurred this is not even in my wheelhouse I don't even know why a person would think that so absolutely they have shared with me different variations of and it's their interpretation of me and really it's who they are right it's based on how they see in me either things that they don't want in themselves or things that they want in themselves that they really kind of have, yeah. you know, that superhero, you know, who's your superhero. That's, that's funny, Lisa. I've actually been contemplating this recently. Um, I've had a person in my life that I've had to kind of separate from recently. And he was someone that would like to kind of what you were mentioning, uh, say that you were this particular type of person or you had this um, habit that, you know, you would normally do. And it was really him, I think, kind of trying to shed some of the stuff that really made up who he was as a person. And um, I'm not sure exactly where that comes from, but I can tell you with coaching, uh, at least you have someone that can hold you accountable if you are, you know, a client in a coaching session. That's something that could be really beneficial is because sometimes we really don't realize uh, exactly, you know, maybe the type of harm, if we are harming somebody or the type of person we're being um, until we speak it and it's reflected back to us, uh, especially with coaching. That's the name of the game is to make sure you have accurate reflection when it comes to reciting some of the things that your clients say. Um, so I think that's a, a space where you can be tremendously helped. Anthony, you got very quiet. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of turning things around in my head. One is kind of addressing Lisa and Jerome about, isn't it, it seems a bit of a stretch to say that people are projecting their own things on you from what they're telling you. Yeah, it's uh, I don't I have know. An I'm an example. Before you go on, let me give you the example. I know someone 
who, you know, I've seen out when we go out and go shopping and they're trying to get the sale price that they thought they were supposed to get. And the clerk says, hey, it's, you know, it's beyond, <laughs> but they're getting yelled at. Or how about the server they, that you forgot their guacamole and they're getting yelled at. Now the server wasn't doing anything. The server has been, at least I'm talking about the ones I'm doing here and in this particular box. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't rude, they weren't disrespectful, and yet the person on the other side is very rude and very disrespectful to that other human being who, you know, wasn't trying to put angst in their life. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're, going, but we're talking about more extreme, like we're talking about like, well, somebody's reacting in anger, somebody's, mm-hmm. but I'm just talking about, when I asked that, I was saying just like more on like a, just like a personality trait level, like, like, uh, that's not a trait that I saw in myself, or I, I didn't realize I was that until somebody said that to me. Um, I, my a good example for me is I I think I've always thought of myself as a, an approachable human being, like uh, to some degree. Mind you, as I'm saying this, I realized there was a time I got tattoos in the hopes to keep certain people away from me because I was like, so I, I was deliberately trying to be less approachable. But I, I, I think that I, I've always tried to have a smile on my face and and. And, and welcome people in and be approachable. But I've had people who told me that they thought I didn't like them or they thought they were that 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 I was intimidating or I was and I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from. <laughs> like, you know, and it's not something that I considered and I'm like, okay, and then I of course turn inwards and I go, okay, wait, how am I making myself unapproachable? Because I want to be approachable. Um and uh so that becomes important to me. And so then I, I make sure I try to adjust my behavior so that I am more approachable, which is interesting as I'm sharing that, I'm thinking um, that 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 adjusting, it's, it's really so much us defining who we want to be and what we want to be, right? I'm not sure about that and necessarily. And the reason I, I hear what you're saying and, and we all do it to, to kind of fit in in that moment it's that person who recognizes things differently than the way we are or the way, so it's their interpretation of something. Um, I'm trying to think of an example and right now I'm skipping the example because I can't think of it, but it's their interpretation of something of who we are and what we're doing. It's not necessarily who we are and what we're doing, right? They were brought up to be in this, you know, psychology stuff as coaches, we don't really play with but they were brought up to recognize family systems in the way that their family system worked. And in that, they recognize different personality traits, different reasons in their life experience. So if they're telling you that it's uncomfortable, that you're unapproachable, it may have nothing to do with you and everything to do with how they interpret themselves. The thing that we all do, being empathetic towards others, space. So we going back to what is we adapt in that them <laughs> to find their comfort. So with you not being approachable, totally may have nothing to do with you, but had everything to do with how they're comfortable in their skin. Uh, which I, I can 100% agree with. I that can't can kind of gets back to my original point that I was trying to make, though. I don't know if you can actually know that. And I don't think that, like, we'll just use that as the example. There's you, I'm using you for all of us, but 
so I'll just say me. There's me who I think is pretty approachable, but there's the other person who sees me as an unapproachable person. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think both can be true and they are the real version of me because my reality is one thing. Another person's reality is their own reality. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's enough to just say that, well, they're projecting because maybe they're insecure and they don't know how to reach out to people or whatever. That seems to be me then projecting and trying to reconcile what I think of myself versus how they interpret me. So that's where, so, so this is get so deep. <laughs> what I want to say though, but what I want is, but then what we'll always do, right? When somebody says something that's surprising to us, if we are somebody who cares about that and we respect that person's opinion, right? Or even if we don't, maybe we typically go through a series of checks and balances, right? Yep. And we go through a check and balance. Okay. Is this who I am? How am I behaving? Is this, how is this my fault? And, really start, and then yeah. maybe we also speak to other people. Do I come off this way? Do you think I'm this way? And do I, you know what I mean? And, and it's somebody we know, or that knows us very well and from that we assess, okay, maybe if I want, this is partially my fault. So I'm going to change here, or maybe this has nothing to do with me. Ultimately, this was a, 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 a fluke thing and they don't really know who I am. So I'm just going to disregard. Right. Um, Yes, Anthony. I don't know. I'm still. I still think we're we're avoiding around the question of who I really am. So who are you, Anthony? It's like I. Now turning the mirror it on you. Now you've asked. This us is this is the way I like. And Brooke, you know how I've been doing my philosophy BS and like going on about this. But it's like if I try, how how would I investigate who I really am in the first place? Mm-hmm. It's like if I had a microscope and I had to learn about the microscope I'm using by only using that microscope. I don't know if that is act could actually be done. Do you guys under like get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, and I'm I'm interpreting what you're saying and pulling it into another direction. You guys have watched that show alone where they get dropped off. In the middle of nowhere, like Alaska, I've never watched it. Yeah. Watched it. Yeah. <laughs> but they're dropped off in the middle of nowhere. I love those shows. I don't know why I love them, <laughs> but it's interesting to watch them go through being by themselves. You know, some of them can't take being by themselves because they are more defined on who they're with. I'm not saying I'm probably definitely one of those that I do better around humans and not around humans that to be by myself. And of course they're foraging for food and building houses, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the personality pieces that they show up with on video, which of course are edited and it's a show. But that idea of if nobody told us who we are, who are we? And and we get to redefine what that means, you know, as we get become adults, some of us don't realize that we get to define that as opposed to let somebody else define who we are. But even in that definition, as, I, as I'm going deeper into this discussion, even in that conversation, isn't it still how we reflect who others are that yeah. we define, you know, what that a reality check. And so it's, I think it's a really, 
so yeah what i'm what i'm essentially getting at and lisa you're supporting that is that like you can't really begin to define yourself unless you have something to compare yourself to or other people to use as instruments to sort of have that self-evaluation mm -hmm. you can't learn about a microscope by only using a microscope to investigate it it yeah. doesn't make any sort of sense and you know to go further like if you were just dropped off alone on an island and you had no one to bounce that off sure like you would eventually get there to finding identity but you'd have like a context you have a history still have that's relationships like the only and this goes into a psychology i'm not pulling this out of thin air i'm kind of referencing a psychologist who named jacques lacan but he's a sent what he essentially gets at is that the only person who has a real self that's not defined by all these relationships is like a child or a baby who hasn't learned how to speak a language yet yeah so i was just gonna say like if you if you take it to example like feral children like um but even yeah. still at a, after a certain age after a certain age we if we're gonna even approach defining like I said, if, if we even think about defining, we are at that point creating comparison by using words, even if it's languageless defining, we're building a comparison based on experience. And, um, and we, as be, if we're going to be raised by people, which most people are, what's important is how that our parents reflect us and our our behavior and everything back to us and that becomes a really critical part of our growth um and um but but it's inescapable for us to uh i think be, it's not no it's possible for yeah, us to not even, even something as simple as a comparison the definition of define is sort of in itself uh, even even as simple as just like a free signifier like Brookadere Walters. Like if somebody asked me, okay, who is she? And I just said Brookadere Walters and I let that hang in thin air. That's not like a all encompassing free thing. Like your name came from your parents. Like they yes. defined your existence by virtue of just giving you a name. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't even back to your question who am i really i don't go think for, i mean according to some folks the moon and the stars have defined who we are so like i'm not, um, I'm not playing in the, the and we'll take yeah, it even proper. further science has proven that fear is passed down seven generations through dna uh and that's an instinctual thing and so uh, who we are and uh, is ingrained in us and so much out of our control in so many ways that it's an interesting thing that we all assume we are this uh autonomous thing when in truth we are not autonomous beings um at all uh the so is your yeah pause just for a second and then just throw out something that's sort of related but not really related but uh, addresses support to what you're saying there's this language in africa and i don't remember what the name is um where it is i just i'm giving you the basics of what i'm sharing with you there's are certain sounds that only anyone under 15 years old can pick up and assimilate. Once you're an adult and you go to that area, you will not ever hear that sound because your brain was not taught 
that particular adaption of sound to hear what it is. So you would have had to be brought up to hear this, well, which is what's supporting what you're saying. In order to become who we are, we're being, we had to start somewhere. And our family systems, yeah, go ahead. Well, you're, I mean, to, to support that, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not just how they were taught. It's, well, it is when they're taught um, mm -hmm. and at what age and, and yeah. in those formative years, there's a lot of things that go on with regard to language and also with regard mm -hmm. to formation and these muscle, muscle mouth, like how we use our mouths. So there are people who can't roll their R's. <laughs> there's some people that can't do that. And it's simply because they just, they just don't have the muscle control because it wasn't something they started doing at a young age. Um, so, and, and won't be able to, uh, I can't wink, but, <laughs> um, uh, but again, all in all of this and in all of this space, we, defining who we are is inescapable. I think though, if we take all of this back and, and when we talk about self and we, um, there were a couple points that were brought forward and we've sort of touched on them. And I think it's important to touch because in, in these, because it was something that raised a question mark for me. Um, because in, in everything we watched, there was a resounding or watched or read, there was this resounding theme of, we can't always define who we are sometimes we require and need and this is even true of our formative years so much so that our formative years are critical because our parents what how they reflect back who we are to us makes a big deal with us being confident about ourselves and having a strong sense of self so we rely on people outside of ourselves to know who we are and where, what, what is interesting for me in the coaching space that concerns me because now, and I could see a new coach or somebody coming in going, wait, if people need outside people in order to know who they are, to point out those blind spots, to do all these things, I'm a coach. How do I do that and not for them and not give them advice? or not tell them how they're being or not. Um, if we're reliant on outside experience and, and, and feedback to define who we are, how do we tackle that as a coach? That's a pretty difficult question. Cause then it, like, as a coach, I'm thinking, okay, as I'm getting to know my client and they're telling me who they are, a trust issue comes up where it's like, can I really trust this one person to give me an idea of who they are? Like, do I need to go out and say, Hey, can I get like your, your parents, your children? <laughs> can I have a conversation with them and maybe submit some tests and questionnaires to find out who you really are. And I can compare what other people think of you, what I think of you and what you think of yourself. And then we'll find some real version. It's, it is tough. I don't know how to really address that. So actually in corporate coaching, that's what they do. Exactly that. They send out, there's different terms for it through sixties, 10 tens, where they send it to you, to everyone in the company or, you know, a select people in the company. And they ask you to fill this out towards this either person group or whatever their intention is. So what you're saying um, it is done. However, it isn't done, which is the point you're making. It isn't done personally 
with our private world so much unless there's an evaluation. I know when in school, if a student is struggling, they will have that kind of questionnaire sent home. But we're not talking about that either. We don't have that kind of background. So in the space of how do we help our clients discover who they really are without telling them who they are, it, it, it takes patience and time and energy where we aren't defining them we are able to share with them you know i notice your foot is twitching what's the foot twitching about and then they'll define what that is so through that discovery space of body language through what they're sharing you know we get to say you know when you say that my interpretation of it is this is that what you meant it's not taking ownership of what that definition is it's opening up that dialogue and communication. I think, uh, so I think that this is where all of these things where we start to talk about coaching a person and not the problem comes mm -hmm. in, right? So what will happen over time is that person is going to reveal where the incongruities are, where the things are, right? We're gonna, as a coach over time, we're given enough getting to know you and, and conversation, when they say, oh, well, I really want to do this, but they don't do it over and over and over again, we start to then question around that and, and go, okay, well, is this really who you want, to, what you really want to do? We may also have a client that comes in and says, I am this, you know, I, you know, but they're not, for some reason, they're not ever behaving like that. And it might be that they just have been told they're that yeah. and and it becomes a space where you gotta you, they've got to come to grips with no i'm not that and i don't want to be that but uh, why am i defining myself as that you know and that's this is where this sort of deeper exploration and as a coach this instinct comes in we listen we listen for them to share those moments of when maybe what they're saying isn't matching up with with what they're doing um, and, and inquire deeper about that. Or if they're just defining themselves as one thing, it might be our job as a coach to then push them out of their comfort zone. Uh, or, or, you know, I don't mean that like, but get them into a space where they're comfortable getting out of that and maybe behaving in a different way than they do define themselves. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I don't, you're right, Anthony, we can't go out and talk to all their friends or anything like that to figure out who they really are. But I think that, that over time, they will reveal who they are. Uh, and, and it's our job as a coach, I think, to reflect that back to them in an honest way, um, an honest, non-judgmental way, but an honest way. And we talked about last week being kind of tough at times. And there may come those moments where you got to be kind of willing to say it. You know, you're, you you define yourself as this, but your your actions say that you're this. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that's that space where we get to tap into that sort of <clears throat> instinctual and also being willing to push them out of their comfort zone mm -hmm. and do so with reflective feedback. Um, mm -hmm. Fair, Anthony. I think you, that's. I wouldn't go as far to say as we are finding the real you or discovering the real you. I don't, I don't think I would ever say that, use that kind of language in my coaching, but um, I don't know. The way I've always seemed to have done it when I'm talking to people in the space who are my clients, I say, 
this is how you how do you view yourself like i don't say what is the real you it's just what is your view of yourself at this moment no to, to be fair there may be coaches that do work with people that don't have a strong sense of self that 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 feel like even go as far as to say that their sense of self is shaky and they feel like they are sort of um always defining themselves by other people and the people around them and they don't feel they feel like they're not making their own decisions um i, I think we've worked with and seen a bunch of coaches who work with clients who and i'm just throwing a blanket statement out there of a very common client archetype that I see is women who are about middle age now and they're no longer really, their kids are out of the house. They're no longer working (laughs) and they're divorced. So whatever did define them was their marriage, their children and the work things that have to do with other people. And they're kind of left alone to define themselves when they never really did before. They're in a unique position where they can... a, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're in a position where I got to figure out who I really am. And they'll ask those kind of questions to figure out what to do next. Um, now that they don't have these things. And I mean, I'm just going off of hypothetical situations now, so I won't really so, go into further, well, but the common occurrence. To a non-hypothetical situation, um, I, again, I'm uh, somebody, I have been, I identify as a survivor. I was with also in a relationship that was not healthy. I was in a relationship where I was gaslit. I was in a relationship where I was constantly told that I was worthless, that I was useless, that I was, you know, a waste, that I was, all of these things. And on the inside, I said, I'm not these things. I'm not, I'm, I, and I kept saying to myself on the inside, I am not these effing things. But when you have this person in your life that is constantly telling you, you are this, it breaks you down. It does. And you start to question, is this who I am? And it can start to really shake and shatter this sense of self. Um, and, and I was strong enough to reach a point that I'm like, I'm not this person. I'm going to prove you wrong. Get the F out. What the hell? You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, but, but I allowed that for a long time and it can be very damaging to self-esteem. It can be very, it can knock you down. And so uh, that is in a situation where you've got somebody that's convinced you that you are this thing. And I will say once out of that, as I peel back the layers, like, and it took a long time. It wasn't something where like, I'm out of this relationship. I've got all this confidence, all of that, manipulation and stuff is gone and isn't still affecting me. No, it took time for me to peel off layers. And as each layer folded, I would realize, no, I'm not that I'm, I'm actually this and no, but then something would come up and, and this negative thought process, these things that I'm told, and you, you can go back to as far as if you had a parent that did that, where all of a sudden you've got this thing. Oh my God, you're worthless. Oh my God, you're useless. <laughs> and that pops up. And um, having to stop and address, wait, where the hell is this coming from? Am I really this? And and then having that that conversation and building myself sort of back up um, was a very tough thing for me to do. Um, and, and it took a lot of strength and I'm proud of myself now, but even coming out of that too, there's so many questions. Like, how did I get into that relationship? Can I trust myself? <laughs> you know? And so there's these whole, it's a whole thing that where we can think that, that, you know, we've got this concrete sense of self and we just should, but there are so many situations where I think people can find themselves questioning who they are 
um, and, and a lot of times that is because of outside influence coming in. Um, and it's hard. It says, well, I don't care who you are, as strong as you think you are. No, I'd never let somebody do that to me. I don't, I, I felt like that. And I ended up in that situation where I got, I, I allowed it and I, it got knocked down and it, it made me question a whole lot about myself. Um, so I think everybody's susceptible. Uh, you look at, look at like mass manipulators, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, people who, if you take Jeffrey, where, no, no, wait, what's his face? What was the guy that, that, uh, Manson, Charles Manson. <laughs> he still has the ability. Or, I mean, just people, there are these crazy situations where people act out of self, um, for one reason or another, and they come out of it and they're like, I don't even know. Can you? I mean, it's a whole mind of game trying to figure out who you are again. <laughs> um, but what's fair is you no. Know, so that brings me to my next question: is when I'm I'm thinking of that and I'm sharing it, and, and as 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 I was being told I was something, um, and I inside I'm screaming, I'm not that. You just don't know me. I'm gonna prove you wrong. On the inside, I had this thing in me that said, I am not. I knew I wasn't that. Uh, that sense of knowing. Um, do you think everybody has a, an innate, an, this innate sense of knowing of, um, no. or is that something that was unique, you know, to me in my situation? I, I, I don't have that sense. I can't really say for sure that I've ever really felt that way about myself or ever really related to myself that way. But if somebody told you something that I know for a fact you are not, Anthony, is mm. it that, that if, somebody, if somebody told you you were stupid every day for a year, mm. after a while, do, would you start to believe you were stupid? Or would there be something inside you that said, no, I'm not effing stupid? I mean, I'd, I'd be curious <laughs> as to why they thought that. Like, I would, my, my go-to instinct is to be like, oh, I would probably humor them, be like, okay, I'm stupid. Tell me one. Yeah. But you put it into simple terms that I can understand as a stupid person why you think I'm stupid. And then we'll go from there. Well, that's when you're dealing with a rational human being. But when you're dealing with folks who are acting and behaving irrationally or manipulatively, you can't logic them. It just doesn't work because they're going to question myself. But use emotion and yeah. Then I would question myself as to why am I around this irrational, stupid person? And then you keep hanging out with them. And then after a while, you go, "I really am stupid because I'm still here." He's right. I, I think you're now projecting uh, onto me, but I, I don't know if I. This is probably due to my own upbringing, where. I didn't have that sort of thing where anybody was telling me you are this thing and damn you if you say otherwise. It's no, it's I've pretty much been left to my own devices and thankfully I had supportive parents who tolerated my somewhat annoying antics as a teenager. Um and but I never had that situation occur where someone's like you're this thing and I say internally I know that I'm not this thing. I'm something else. Maybe, if, I mean, if somebody came along, I'm pretty secure in my gender identity. If someone said, you're a woman, I'd probably be like, no, I don't think I've ever really exhibited these qualities or really thought this way. Which is really interesting because that is entirely a societal construct too. They've done studies where they took groups of men and groups of women and they, for extended periods of time, 
fed to the women that they were mass traditionally masculine traits and then they fed to the men that they were traditionally feminine traits and uh, over time the men began to exhibit the feminine traits feminine traits and the women began to exhibit the, the masculine traits proving that in so many ways we are what we are told we are i mean this gets into a very other can of worms yeah, sure. but i'll just say feminine traits and masculine traits do not define my identity as a man okay. that i i just take for granted it's something that i don't even think about until it's brought up in conversations like that and the fact that i probably don't think of it even that often make i think means i'm pretty secure in my identity in that sense but i've never been in that situation before so i don't i couldn't really say that I have that internal sense of just, I know I'm something. And because I think when you're, when you're at that point, it's just, it blends into the background. You don't think about it that way. Is there anything you're insecure about? Me? My height. <laughs> I'm a short king. Uh, <laughs> well, that's I mean, realistically, I'm not, but that's just like... like personality but i'm like by comparison you're you the certain situations you might be really tall <laughs> um so <laughs> very patronizing way to describe that but sure no but i just mean there is like you can't conclusively say that you're short or that you're not tall i guess if you're looking over like a grand scheme of i mean i don't know have yeah but you you, you only asked you only asked something that i was um did you I say know. something so but it's, about, it's not really, I guess, does your height define yourself, who you are? In a way, yeah. Because if I was a tall, giant man, people would be treating me differently. And I would probably think about myself in a different way. Whereas, yeah. honestly, I know that I'm average height. But it seems to me that average height male means short. Um, at least what I see on the online discourse. But I'm not <laughs> I'm not an incredibly short person. I'm not like, you know, Samson from that show we watch, Carnival. Uh, <laughs> if I was a shorter person and people treated me that way, I'd probably think about myself a different way. There's so many things I could dig into this with, like, that I'm not going to, that I could. Yeah, but I'm, I'm choosing but, something specifically that I can't really influence. Um, I was just born the height that I am. I could wear high heels. That would probably create a whole other set of problems for me to deal with, but um, I don't. But I don't typically think about it too often until I encounter a really tall person. I wonder how you you said that that people treat you differently, and we're gonna, we're running out of time um, as a result of your height. How do you how do people treat you that is different? And how would you know? Well, I think about the way that, I mean, tall people are treated generally in, you know, Western society. There's the halo effect. Women desire, seem to desire taller men in general. St I'm speaking statistically, not from personal experience. I've done very well for myself as a short man. <laughs> but <laughs> people view taller people as more powerful, more trustworthy, more capable. Um, now I'm gonna watch Invader Zim. Um, <laughs> yeah, but this is this is all I'm like. This is kind of conjecture, though. Yeah, I'm just yeah. applying my own way of viewing really tall people. Like I remember when I saw Dan.
for the first time in real life, I was like, Jesus Christ, you're tall. <laughs> Didn't know he was that tall. It surprised me. I want to surprise people and scare people. <laughs> but I can't do that. Did your impression of Dan and who he was as a person change because of his height? Yeah. How? I didn't think he was that tall. I know. And then I did. But but and when so I think what I mean, I tall people and I think, oh man, they're gonna live a shorter life. That sucks. <laughs> like that's what goes that's in my head. Like if you go the opposite direction, they've got gigantism and then that person's self-identity is like, oh crap, I'm gonna die by the age I'm 30. That's, that's well, no, exactly. Like I've known some really tall people and all of them died before the age of 50 because their hearts just could not do. So that's what goes through my head. I see somebody tall and I'm all, crap, poor thing. They're gonna not live the longest life. But this is <laughs> like, a microcosm. Like this is one physical trait that contextualizes and informs like a person's self-image. I could go bald within the next few years. That would drastically change my self-image of myself. Um, you know, a lot of different things could happen. Which is interesting. What's interesting? But I guess, yeah, no, your, our exterior does, is important for our interior. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. But I want to go back. What Brooke asked you is when you saw Dan, hmm. you said something changed. And I don't mean just noticing, damn, you're tall, that. What what else changed? I would say there's a sense of physical presence that changes. Where, like, think of Tony Robbins. He's a big, tall guy who takes up a lot of space. When somebody in personality and in physical, in the physical sense is impressing themselves in a spatial way like there's a congruity there whereas if you saw a very short person carry themselves with a lot of breadth and um i don't know go to hollywood they're everywhere yeah <laughs> but, and that incongruity sort of draws <laughs> whereas if you saw a really short guy who's got anger issues and is always trying to like prove themselves like you say they got little man syndrome like that's a you know common thing that's said about angry short people um which is i don't know total stereotype then the angry tall i i yeah i'm talking about stereotypes here but Stereotypes do matter to a certain no, extent. And all of this, I mean, so all of this defines, we were running out of time. So all of this defines, a, just this is a great space for you to share, Anthony, because as a coach, Anthony walks in, he's got all this self, he's defined himself as based on his life. And it might come a day where Anthony's like, I can't do that, I'm short. <laughs> I can't and, reach the tall stuff on the shelf of the grocery store, but damn if I'll ask someone for help. I'll just not get the thing. <laughs> and and as a coach, we might be presented with an opportunity to assist our client in redefining how they define themselves hmm. um, or choosing a different lens to look at themselves through. Uh, or even to look at whatever it is they're doing, or, or even to address the lenses our clients are using 
if we're using, you know, Anthony's looking through a, the, the, the average height guy lens, and maybe that's how our client is seeing the world. So as a coach, it is important for us to know, and then also to perhaps utilize uh, that lens when, when our instinct and intuition tells us to. And whether that be through mirroring and reflection um, or, or through addressing it head on and being like, okay, well, how is this view of yourself affecting your outcomes? So very important that we as coaches learn and, and uh, identify how our clients define themselves. To even add to that too, how is other people's view of you affecting your outcomes? Going back to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, people think I'm unapproachable, but I myself, I think I, I want to be an approachable person. I think of myself as that way, but other people are telling me something different. And so a lot of times I, f I feel like in my coaching and other people's coaching probably as well, we try to discount what other people are saying and try to focus on how the client views themselves and evaluates themselves. But it is important how other people view them because it affects them that way. It is affecting who they are. You know, as for coaches out there watching this, Maybe try to take it, take into account how other people view the client and if that affects them or not. I mean, it might be our, it might be our inclination as a coach to go, well, it doesn't matter what other people think. What do you think? But mm -hmm. there might, that's us is telling right there. So it might actually be a space to ask. So, so what does that perception of you mean to you? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and a space for to sort of create this exploration. Yeah. But all very important. Mm -hmm. All right, Lisa and Jerome, you guys have to sign off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give a, I just wanna kind of go back to my original statement when asked uh, if I know who I really am. I think we kind of covered the ground why I believe that. I think your environment greatly affects at least me I can't speak for everybody, but I think for me, myself, um, I think it greatly affects who you genuinely think that you are. Uh, and again, with those core values that I mentioned, at the very least, they're kind of like buoys for me to kind of hang on to, um, to help determine for myself whether or not I'm in that in the, in the right environment, whether it's time to shift environments. Um, so I think that's the important thing. I don't know if we can ever really know who we are. I just think it shifts and things ebb and flow. It's so much change going around us all the time. Unless you're a monk, um, you know, isolated somewhere else. I, I really don't think that um, you can genuinely say you know who you are if you've you know lived life for a certain amount of time. Because um, things, again, they change so often. Um, so with that... I do want to say, yeah, I think core values are important. If you really want to get to kind of trying to define who you are as a person, just define those core values. And then from there, I think you'll you have a pretty good understanding um, as to where to move from at that point. And as a coach, understanding your client's core values, I think, is important because those are the buoys that you can keep coming back to to reflect to them. This is what you said is important. This is what you believe in. This happened. Um, and this is kind of you're, you're acting a bit irrational or not irrational, but you're acting non-congruent with what 
you said you believe in and what you said is important. So as a coach, you kind of use those buoys again um, to kind of come back to whatever goals that it may be that may be that a client is trying to achieve. Um, so that's my final thoughts. And uh, and as you were saying that, and you were talking about a monk, a monk goes through the same kinds of uh, trials and tribulations. It's it's much quieter, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They and I think of the Dalai Lama. He definitely has his um, trials and tribulations. Yes, Twitter. I, I follow him. He's not isolated. Just well, then I have an uncle that's, you know, he's a priest, and I mean, they all go through different perspectives of how um, the outside world impacts them and who they want to be. I myself, ooh, I got the sun. Which way do I go? Uh, I myself, I. I have learned part of what is helpful to me is to be able to share with those I trust, but then I don't necessarily want any feedback till I've had time to evaluate what it is and where I want to go and what's important in this space so that I don't want to be influenced from their perspective. I need to have that self internal reflection to really identify, but I need to be able to say it out loud. So that's where that coach comes in. People that love and care about me want me to, you know, do the right thing and be supported and all these kinds of things. But to to me, I've got to figure it out what that next step is and how it looks. So with clients, I'm not going to tell them who they are or what they are going to do next or what serves them. The challenge, like we were talking about last week, for, and I don't know, maybe Anthony, somebody brought up and challenged them on that perspective, really who do they want to define themselves as and be curious about what they share. There is a client, as I'm thinking, I know I got to wrap this up, stop talking. <laughs> there is a client who defined himself as a very logical person, but my interpretation and my judgment, he was a very um, emotional person. So I checked out at the door <clears throat> and then we worked on things the way he wanted to work on things. I, I didn't need to define him. I needed to understand his definition and let him redefine who he wanted to be and what that meant. And eventually he came to the conclusion that he's basing things on emotion versus logic, but that takes time and it didn't need me to influence him. Anyway, thanks for showing up everyone. Good to see you. Some new uh, additional names that we haven't seen in a while. Thanks for being here. We have our Certified Life Coach Institute. We have our classes in three days. Come join us. We have a lot of fun, a lot of deep discussions um, and great participation. Lives every Tuesday at four. Thank you so much. Make sure you comment, like, subscribe, share, whatever platform you're on. We appreciate it, everybody. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do so. And we will see you next week, same time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, 
feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.